Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm honored and excited to once again get to share the Word of God with you. Amen. Such an honor for me to, to have that pastoral office in my life. It came straight from Jesus. You can only get these ministry offices from one person. He's the giver of the gifts. I didn't ask for it. I can tell you that. I wasn't looking for it. But uh, I love that pastoral anointing. Uh, sometimes inside myself, I'll, I'll sit here and go, hmm, that was good. You know, because I could sense someone other than me is, is working and speaking. And, and uh, so, praise God. You ready? Amen. Turn over. We're actually going to turn to three quick openings. Uh, we'll give you time to get to each one, but if you're really scholarly and quick with your Bible, you could get to all three. We're going to go to John chapter 3 first, then we'll go to Acts chapter 20, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, and uh, praise God and uh, read these passages of Scripture. Glory to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's it's bread to eat. It is food for the Spirit. It is the source of our faith. It is instruction for us on how to live a life that would please you, that would magnify you, that would glorify you, and cause us to be fruitful and blessed and successful uh, in the earth. And that's your will for us. God, I pray that uh, for each person that, God, they're coming to your word with a, an attitude of, I'm paying attention, and I've come to learn, and I've come to hear uh, not to just say amen to a sermon and quickly forget it, but know to be a faithful doer of the word because we know, James said, blessed is the man in his doing, in the deeds, in the performing, in the acting upon the word of God. Faith without corresponding actions dead, we know that. And so, Father, we just so thank you for, uh, praise God, what you're going to do in our lives as we sit under the ministry of the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to read this verse to you, uh, and I want you to do your best. I know it's hard, but do your best to act as if you have never read or heard these words before. Amen. John 3, verse 15, says that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For, oops, there's my computer going on. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave... His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. He that believes on Him is not condemned. Isn't that good news? But he that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Go over now to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And uh, if you know anything about Acts chapter 20, we know that Paul is uh, on his way to a very uh, consequential moment in his life and ministry. He had been a traveling missionary for many years. And uh, Ephesus was one of the places he visited. He stayed more than two years there, raised up a church there. Uh, at one time, it was the largest and most influential Christian church in the world. Uh, some say it had upwards of maybe even 100,000 members at one time, pastored by Timothy. And, but he was on his way to Jerusalem, and he, knew when he, he knew, just knew by the Spirit and by the witness of the Spirit that something big was going to happen to him uh, in Jerusalem. And so they're there on the beach. He and his team, Luke and others, are about to get on this ship. And he is admonishing, he's called the regional pastors together, the leaders together, he's 
preached to them. He's admonished them. He's about to give them. And we're about to read one verse. It's one of the last things that he said to these leaders and to these pastors, knowing he said, you'll see my face no more, right? You know, if I knew that you would see my face no more, the words I would try to convey to you would be the most important I could think of. (laughs) Uh, Amen. And uh, so it's just a wonderful, that, that passage there really ministers to me. We're just going to pull out the 35th verse, the 35th verse of Acts 20. And it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus. Amen. And what are those words? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? Now go to this third opening, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And again, this is the Apostle Paul writing a Spirit-inspired letter uh, to the church at Philippi. Uh, and one of my favorite letters in all the Bible and all the, of all the epistles is Philippians. And we're looking at chapter 2 and we're going to read down through verse 8. Uh, And I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation, so it might might sound just a little bit different, and they may put it up on the screen if you want to follow along. And so Paul says, Then make me truly happy. I wonder what would make the Apostle Paul truly happy. He says, Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Everyone say that out loud. Don't be selfish. Amen. He goes on and says, Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. Other translations say that he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form or was born a human being. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. Amen? So I know we're gearing up for Christmas. I'm in the Christmas spirit myself. Amen? I'm getting excited about it. And we know, you know, for, for us as life in, a, in America, what the Christmas season is like. For many of us, it's stressful. It's busy. It's, uh, you know, the calendar is just full. I know, I know in my family, uh, every year my wife preaches me a sermon about emptying the cal not emptying it, but lightening the calendar, you know, and uh, doing that. And every year, no matter how, how, how hard we try, here we are again, I don't know about how you feel about it, with a full calendar. Yeah. Amen. Places to go and, and uh, parties and staff things and all kinds of stuff. Amen. And uh, I just wanted in the hopes of, uh, you know, helping us recalibrate and coming back to the center I'm just going to talk to us this morning about having a Christ-like Christmas. Amen. A Christ-like Christmas. It's not here yet. We still have a chance to have a Christ-like Christmas. 
And so again, when we're ministering to children, wherever it may be, even the Charlie Brown Christmas, whatever, we talk about the Christmas story. The Christmas story. Well, the Christmas story is chronicled in Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. And really, what is it? It's all about God invading earth. Amen. It's all about Jesus stepping out of heaven as the pre-incarnate, never born Son of God. Amen. Who existed with God as God from the ageless past. Stepping into the human condition, fully clothed in bone and blood and flesh. Born of a woman, raised a child, experiencing all of the dynamics of a human's life. Amen on a mission to go to the cross and pay the sin debt for all mankind. Hallelujah. Listen, if we're going to have a Christ-like Christmas, we're going to have to keep that at the center of everything that we do. Amen. Christmas is not supposed to be about racking up your credit card with debt so that you could keep up with the family next door. Amen. It's not supposed to have anything to do with me I getting something that we want. Christmas is about giving. Isn't that right? Isn't that the bottom line? For God so loved the world, He gave. And I mean, He just didn't give a token gift. Amen? He gave what was no doubt most precious to Him. Amen? And more than that, He gave what was necessary. Jesus was necessary. There's no human being that's ever lived apart from Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, who even qualifies as a candidate to go to the cross and be your substitute for your sin. Because you have to find someone who is not of Adam's descendancy. Amen. You have to find someone born of a virgin that does not have the sperm of a man in them. Amen. The seed of the man. And so that's what the Holy Ghost coming upon Mary and the power of the Most High overshadowing her. He inserted God's seed into the egg of her, into her womb. Amen. And and Jesus, come on, the ancient of days, the bright and morning star, glory to God. The lion of the tribe of Judah stepped into that little embryo. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And listen, here's the the whole purpose of it, the whole mind of it, is to do something for somebody else. It was to give. It was not to, there was nothing selfish about it other than God loved us and He wanted us. He loves the human family and He wanted the human family. He could have just left us to ourselves, left us enslaved of the enemy. Amen. And just watch the human race self-destruct and destroy itself. But no, He didn't do that. Amen. He loved us so much. Amen. He gave. Amen. And this is where the tradition of giving gifts, of course, has come from. That it's in the Spirit as a reminder of the gift God gave that we've gotten into the habit of giving gifts. But you know, we know how what the world's done to it. You know, you get on... Uh, uh, television stations like uh, CNBC or the Fox Business Channel, you know those guys, and all they do is talk economy and economy and numbers and mm-hmm. stocks and, and all of that. And they're all concerned. You know, they're always talking about how much money you're going to spend. I hope you spend enough money. I mean, we got to spend enough money. We got to keep this economy going. And see, it's just a, a, a commercial 
enterprise. Right? To, to the world out there, Christmas is nothing more than a big excuse to get you to spend money. <laughs> money you probably don't need to spend. And we, see, we can miss the whole point. And then in our family, take it all the way down to the family dynamic. I mean, if we're not careful, even the adults are running around thinking, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? I got some things I want and I'm going to get and this is what I want. You missed the whole thing. You just missed the whole thing. (laughs) And so are you ready for this? Amen. Okay. So to have a Christ-like Christmas. Come on, are you ready? Hold on your seat. (laughs) To have a Christ-like Christmas, you can't be selfish. You can't be selfish. Jesus coming to the earth was not about being selfish. Amen. And it wasn't about him what he could get. It's about what do the people need? What do people need? Amen. So we have this admonition that Paul, I think it's interesting. Where did he say this? I don't know where Paul got it. It's not in the Gospels, this statement. But, you know, Paul had some divine encounters with Jesus, visions and revelations. And no doubt Jesus just said to him, or he heard it from the disciples that Jesus told the disciples, but it's not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but it's right there in Acts. It's actually in red letters in most Bibles. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, everybody likes receiving, right? We don't have a problem liking. I like to receive. I like to receive my healing. I like to receive my breakthrough. I like to receive gifts. I like to receive presents. I like to receive good things. Amen. We all do. Amen. But, uh, you know, I was asking the Lord this morning on the drive over here, Father, why? I'm just going to act like I don't know nothing. Why? Why is it more blessed to give than it is to receive? And I just believe that the answer is because there on the giving side is the only way to truly experience fulfillment and joy and happiness. The world will tell you if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to have joy, if you want to be truly happy, you got to get. You have to receive. Amen. And all you got to do to look, uh, is look at Hollywood and some of the rich people who don't know Jesus. And they've got everything in the world that they could have or want. If they want, they just go buy it. I mean, if they want an island, they go buy it. If they want a mansion, they go buy it. If they want a suit, they go buy it. If they want a car, they just go buy it. And they're unfulfilled. They're not happy. Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because it's in the act of giving that true joy, true contentment, true fulfillment, true fruitfulness, true satisfaction is found. Amen. Amen. So if we could get our eyes off of ourself and get our eye on what we can do for someone else, you're going to unlock the key to true happiness to true joy, to true fulfillment. Amen? I like something I heard Joyce Meyer say. She said, the greatest thing God ever delivered me from is me. (laughs) The greatest thing God's ever delivered me from is me. Is me. Hallelujah. You know, according to 1 Peter 4.2, you don't have to go there, but according to that verse... Jesus did not die so you could live for yourself. But Jesus died that we might no longer live for ourselves, 
but for God and for others. And that's not because God wants you to be miserable and never have anything you want, never have your needs met. He's just saying that the way to have all those things is to live on the giving side, not the taking side. See, there's givers and there's takers in the world. You have to decide which one you're going to be. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Amen. I mean, you show up at that dinner table with four of your friends and you're hoping that one of those three picks up the bill. You know, instead of saying, how can you get the bill? Amen. How do you know if you're a self-centered person? How would you know? Well, if you are the dominant thing on your mind, you're selfish. If you are what you think about the most, you're selfish. You're selfish and self-centered. Now listen, before you just give yourself a pass, I'm telling you, I mean, the easiest thing in the world for any human being to be is selfish. I mean, right, if you just want to be selfish, you don't have to work at that, man. We're just born in the earth skillful. Amen. But to be unselfish takes renewing of the mind. It takes a crucifixion of the flesh. Again, listen to something Joyce Meyer. If you ever watched any of her conferences or been in, she's kind of famous for this. But she said, you know, as God was delivering her from herself... Uh, One day he spoke to her in the early morning and said, you know what, from the moment you wake up, the devil bids high for your mind. He bids high for your mind the moment you wake up. And he's going to throw everything, he's going to try to get you to think, what people aren't doing, what you and you and you and you. And so you're like one of those little dolls and the devil's just winding you up with me, 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 me. And then all of a sudden you hop out of bed and all day long it's me, 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 right? The robot, I can't do it like she does. Yeah, beep, beep, me, 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 me. What about me? What about me? What about me? Beep, beep, what about me? And all day long, that's just what you're, what about me? What about me? Amen. Listen, if that's us, we just got to own it. We're selfish. We're selfish, we're egotistical, we're self-centered. <laughs> Amen. Everything revolves around you, and nobody's going to be happy if you're not happy getting what you want. And this shows up every day of our life. I mean, every day. I mean, we'll, be, we'll have a spiritual time. The Cody's in the church, and we've been serving God, and we get out there, and somebody may not be happy about what restaurant we're going to. And the, kid, and the kid in the car that got outvoted is going to stick their bottom lip out as far as they can and let everybody know that they're not happy that they're going to have to go to Jasmine. They're not happy that they're going to have to go to here or there, right? <laughs> Amen. Sometimes I'm the one that's not happy about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's take notice again of Philippians chapter 2, some things that Paul said. Paul said, as a man of God, anointed by the Spirit, he said, I really wish you'd make me happy. It would really make me happy if I could get a report from you all that you're agreeing with one another and loving one another and taking care of each other. Amen? And then he just flatly says it, don't be selfish. So listen, I'm challenging you this Christmas. Don't be selfish. Don't let yourself, as you're, you know, in our, in our family, we don't all open gifts at the same time. We go one by one, one by one, right? 
Don't let yourself just say, I wish they'd hurry up so I could open my next present. <laughs> Don't let you, I know that thought will come, but you, you need to kick out that thought. Amen. And then when someone's, you know, they got in there, you ought to take a minute and look at it and be excited about it. Instead of like, oh, that's neat. Okay, next, next. <laughs> And don't act like the, the little kids are the only one who needs to hear this sermon. I can hear your brain, you know. Oh, hallelujah. Then he makes this statement. Do not live to make a good impression on others. And I think, you know, whenever you, whatever you're doing for Christmas, ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I adding an extra string of lights to my house? Is it because the neighbor added an extra string to his? we got a lampoon vacation going on here, you know. <laughs> now, if you like all that stuff, do it. But I mean, what's driving our behavior in every season? Not just Christmas, but in every season. Right? Amen. Praise God. I mean, humans are funny. But we, we slip into envy and, and jealousy. And we get so caught up in what others are doing, what others are getting, and what others are buying. And we don't even need one or want one. We go buy a new suit because they bought a new suit, not because we need or want one. Yeah, really. Just stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> amen. Okay, you guys are really shouting me down with all your amens and your hallelujahs. But in this passage in Philippians, it is definitely stated, let this mind or let this attitude that was in Christ be in you. And this is in direct reference to Jesus' attitude about making the decision to come to earth and be born a human being. He had to humble himself to do that. He had to take a low position to do that. He, he, he had to separate himself from uh, the treatment that he no doubt deservedly got as the Son of God sitting at the Father's right hand. And to be born in a dusty, dirty Stable, laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's pretty humble if you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Ancient of Days. You know, today he wears, if you're like against prosperity, you need to get over yourself because like today, his crown would probably pay off the national debt. And, you know, and he wears a band of gold around his chest. You know, praise God, if you read the book of Revelation. And yet here He came, and then at the end of His life, right before He's going to the cross, what do we see our Lord doing? Feeding His staff and then taking a water pan and a fresh towel and bending over and washing the dusty, dirty feet of His disciples. He got up and said, You call Me Lord and Master and right and so, for I am. And if I have done this to you, let this be an example of how you should treat other people. <laughs> Amen. And so I just want to encourage you, believer, to take on, be purposeful and intentional that I'm going to take on a Christ-like attitude as I approach Christmas and how about this? My whole life. My whole life. And that is, is that I'm going to turn my earth life into a seed that I sow. You know, no pastor... Uh, can pastor effectively who is living for himself. 
no pastor can really pastor effectively who is too driven with the thought of self-preservation. A- amen. And uh, because a pastor's job is to lay their life down for the sheep. I, I mean, what would you think in the natural about a Bedouin, a shepherd, you know? I'm thinking about actually organizing a trip in 2021 to Israel. I don't know if y'all are interested in that, but amen. The Corsidans and I, we might go, praise God. We'll see. But anyway, I've been over there and you see those Bedouin, they, they come out. The Bedouin is, is a word for a shepherd when they had goats or sheep or both or whatever. And let's say one, one comes out and it comes over the hill and you, the first thing you see is the shepherd come up over the hill. And I mean, he got brand new robes on. He's come to the hill. And I mean, he is lit up. He is well fed. He is strong. He is well dressed. He is well taken care of. He got a shiny new rod. I mean, he's really looking sharp. And so he's coming. Wow, this, this is a really good. This is a good shepherd. This is a good shepherd. But then the sheep come up over the hill and they're beat up and they're bruised and they're malnourished and they're wounded. And half of them are limping. Three quarters of them are diseased. Would you have to reassess whether or not, how do you define a good shepherd versus a bad one? You don't look at the shepherd. You look at the sheep. Hallelujah. You know, as you stay here over time, the way you live, the quality of your life matters to me. You're actually kind of a reflection on how I'm doing as a pastor. Amen. So how dare you stay sick? Let the Lord heal you. How, how dare you, you know, be broke and not have enough money chronically? You need to let the Lord bless you. Come on, make me look good. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Of course, to be well nourished, the sheep have to eat what the shepherd's serving too. Swallow it. It'll do you good. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so here's, a, here's just a couple of thoughts. Understand that selfishness is the very nature of Satan. Selfishness is the very nature of Satan. How did Lucifer become the devil? How did Lucifer, which means the bright and morning star, God created him, God gave him that name. He was an archangel. He was beautiful. He was uh, an anointed cherub. Amen. You could read about him in Ezekiel, read about him in Isaiah. It was a glorious being, a perfect being, until sin was found in him. And he was fallen, and he was crushed, and he was, he was turned into Satan, turned into the devil. How did he do that? He got selfish. He started saying, I will, I will, I, 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 me. And I tell you what, when the, you know, the words, the most, your most popular word is I in me. And that's what dominates your thinking and your conversation. You're acting like the devil. Amen. Selfishness is the very nature of Satan. And one of the things you can learn from that is selfishness is self-destructive. If you want to self-destruct in life, just be selfish. Why do marriages fail? One reason Selfishness. Selfishness. Amen. Somebody forgot that they're in that covenant to give instead of take. And if our marriages, think about what our homes would look like if we would conquer the selfish nature. There wouldn't be a harsh word spoken in any home. 
There wouldn't be children at each other's throats. There certainly wouldn't be any two people standing before a judge in a divorce court. Amen. So just know if you're going to insist on having your own rights and getting your own way and being selfish all the time, you are self-destructing. Amen. Selfishness is the great destroyer of relationships. Selfishness is the great destroyer of relationships. Amen. You think about your marriage vows if you took marriage vows. All your marriage vows, you know, at least at my wedding, none of my, when, when the preachers, you know, turned to me and said, repeat after me, the words were not like, I expect to have sex once a week. I expect you to cook my meal. I expect you and you will do this and you will do this and you'll, right? We didn't talk about what we're going to take and what we're going to give. We talked about what, you know, what, what we're going to take, what we're going to get out of it. Not, we, we talked about what we're going to do. I pledge to love you, to be only yours, to be fidel, you know, uh, loyal to you and loving. I will I promise to nurture you. I promise to be with you in sickness and in health and poverty and wealth. We talked about all the things we're going to do. And man, by, most of the time before the honeymoon's over, we forgot all that. It's all about, come on, you better keep meeting my needs here, baby. Hello. I'll tell you what, praise God, I'm doing better preaching you are. Amen. That's all right. Amen. Just understand, any selfish act you want to jump into, you're self-destructing. You're going to harm yourself. Jesus said to husbands, He said, Husbands, if you're smart, love your wife the way you love yourself. Isn't that interesting? He said, okay, uh, if you want to know how to love your wife really, really good, just treat her like you treat you. Just treat her like you treat yourself. Amen. See, I get spanked sometimes. I fail at this. You know, I, I get, mm, it's time for Starbucks. Mm, oh, it's time for Starbucks. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get me a Starbucks. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Oh, I'm going and I'm going to get my Starbucks and I'm headed home and she's at home. And I come in the door with a half, a half drank, drunk, whatever, cold brew from Starbucks and not a full one in my hand over here. I'm in trouble and rightly so. I am in trouble and rightly so. And my kids are the same way. I'll walk in. I, uh, right? Praise God. Amen. Just, that's, it just happened to me recently. She looked at me like. And I go, and I can't say I forgot. The fact is, I didn't think about her. I was thinking about me. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I just thank God our God's not selfish. You and I wouldn't have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life if God was selfish. We'd all been burned to a crisp by His mighty lightning judgment fire, right? If He was selfish. Here's another thing you need to know about selfishness is self leads to sin. Self leads to sin. Think about all the sins that are born out of selfishness. Greed. Envy. Covetousness. Lust. All kinds of sexual sin. Right? Why, you know, jealous, uh, adultery. 
You were, you, you were selfish. You were not thinking about your spouse. You were not thinking about your family. You were not thinking about, right? It's just selfish. Amen. All the sins of pride. All the sins of arrogance, right? Selfish ambition. All these kind of things. Listen, if we don't rule over our tendency to be selfish, amen, it's going to lead us to sin. And sin, when it's conceived, leads to death. Some form of death is going to show up in your life if you live selfish. Amen? To be self-centered is a violation of God's nature, His character, and His way. Amen? You might understand that about God's nature, that He's not selfish, that, uh, of, his, uh, of His character. Amen? But do you know that unselfishness is God's way? Unselfishness is God's way. And as Christians, we should be interested in doing things God's way. Amen? So I don't care what you're thinking about, whatever, however you should approach it, you should approach that thing from the unselfish point of view. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't come to church for me. I didn't come to Paducah for me. Are you with me? Let's look at something over in Matthew chapter 7. Y'all doing pretty good. I'm doing great on time. Y'all comfortable? Everybody good? I hadn't poked you too hard with the sword of the Spirit yet, have I? I tell you, if you really want to unleash joy, amen. I tell you what, you want to be miserable, just think about you all the time. You just want to be miserable. And people are so miserable because they're, they're walking around thinking about what their spouse didn't say. They're walking about what their spouse didn't do. What their, what their boss, you know, failed to do or did do that they didn't like. You know, la, 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 la. Right? And I have never met any person that left a church for an unselfish reason. Why does someone leave a church, you know, nine times out of ten? Most times it's not because God led them. I don't care what they say. They write me a letter and say, God said. No, God didn't say. You don't like something. And so you are voting with your feet. I hope that works out for you. <laughs> Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 7. This is, this is really interesting. And so look at, I quoted it earlier, but uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. And for everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened, uh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Of course not. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Of course not. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them to ask him? Now stop. What's he talking about here? He's talking about prayer, isn't he? He's talking about prayer. He's talking about the invitation to pray. And he's talking about the assurance that everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks is going to be open unto them. And that not only that, if you being just a natural person, you know how to give, you know, as a parent, even an unsaved parent, they want to do good things for Christmas for their kids. They want to do good things for their grandkids. You don't have to be saved to want that. Even evil people want that. And God says, if you being evil know how to do good things for your own family, how much more do you think I, who am good in God, want to do good things 
So this is the context. Prayer, answered prayer. God's good and He wants to do big things. But then notice what He says. Uh, in the next verse, He says, therefore. Now the word therefore connects what He's saying now and about to say to what He just said. They're connected, right? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, this is what the whole Old Testament is trying to get over to you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What does the golden rule have to do with prayer and answered prayer? He's revealing to us here that, listen, you can ask and you can seek and you can knock and I'm good and I want to bless you with it. But if you're selfish and you're asking me to do something good for you, but you're treating people wrong, it's going to be... See, selfishness is a reason for unanswered prayer. So here, God's watching our whole life, you know, and here we are mistreating people and not tipping at the restaurant and being shady over here and being mean, and doing this, and not living for others, and not pleasing for others, and then we come to God and say, prayer, oh God, in Jesus' name, bless me with this. He's not going to do it. We have to follow the golden rule. He wants your prayers to be answered. What's He saying? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Get your mind off of you. God says, you want something? Ask me. You need something? Seek me. Right? You want to come in, fill it, knock. And I'm good and I'll give it to you. But I'm expecting you to do unto others the way you would want it done to you. And you know what the mature person does in a, in a situation? The mature spiritual person goes first. A lot of times they say, well, you know, bless God. I mean, if they'll ask, if they'll tell me they're sorry, I will forgive them. No, the mature person goes first. Right? Husband and wife going, I'm right, no, I'm right. I'm right, no, I'm right. I'm right, no, I'm right. Well, the, the one who's going to end that strife will be the one that does it first. The one that puts an end to that first. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, help me. I'm just going to keep preaching to the wall. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. You know, so there's another scripture, you know, we're not turning there, but James 4, remember, it says you war, you lust, you're striving, you're fighting for things that you want, but you don't get them. And he says, the reason is, is you, that you don't have is because you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. And then the next verse, James 4, 3 says, and some of you ask and you still don't receive. Why? Because your motive is selfish. You ask that you might receive it, that you might consume it upon your lusts. Hallelujah. So listen, I don't have to preach anymore to you to let you know that selfishness is a problem. That it's, 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 it's a reflection of the devil's nature, not God's nature. If we're going to have a Christ-like Christmas, we're going to have to be giving and sacrificial and humble and put other people first. Here's your formula for success if you want to live life God in a way that would please God. You put God first. You put others second. You put yourself last. Now, there's your recipe for promotion. You put God first. You put others second. You put yourself last. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Uh, for time's sake, I'm just going to uh, you know, summarize this. But in John chapter 4, you might write it down. We have the account there of the Jesus interacting with the woman at the well. And uh, I'm just so moved by this account every time I think about it, read about it. Here's Jesus. He's been pouring out of Himself all night. You know, he, virtually every night. I don't know about every night. But He's got a habit of getting up really early in the morning while you and I are still asleep and getting alone with God and praying. And then he comes down off the mountain and he can't even have breakfast a lot of times. There's a multitude sitting there and they, are, they need him. And they're drawn on him and they're sick and they're wounded and they're hungry and they're spiritually dead and they see something in Jesus and that's right. But you know, you know sometimes I, I could get weary. I'm, I'm not Jesus, you understand, I know that. But you know, most of the people I interact with Paducah, in Paducah, they're drawing on me. If I go to lunch, if I'm having a cup of coffee or... If, they're over at my house. You know, they're, Pastor, could I ask you this question? Hey, Pastor, I'm going through this. Hey, Pastor, and that's fine. I, no problem. But you see, in my life, the vast majority of my life, I'm, I'm giving it out. I'm just giving it out. I'm giving it out. And that's, man, that's Jesus on a whole other level, way out there beyond me, right? And uh, so this is his life. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 that he's walking from one ministry location to the next. And he's being led by the Spirit. He says, i got to go through Samaria. Most of the time, those Jews, they walked all around Samaria because they were racial. <laughs> they did, those, uh, Samaritan was a half-breed Jew. They weren't fully Hebrew. And so they were so prejudiced, they just walk around. But Jesus said, no, I'm not doing that. This time. I'm gonna walk. i got to go through Samaria. He's being led by the Spirit because there's this lady here. But he gets into Samaria, and there's a well there, of course. And it's a hot spot. People coming to get water for their family and their livestock. And you know the story. And it says there that Jesus was wearied in His journey. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you know Jesus is the Son of God, but when He took on flesh, He got tired just like you, just like me. You know, Jesus should have drove a Ford instead of a Chevy. He wouldn't have had to walk everywhere He went. (laughs) Isn't that right, Brother Jerry? Okay, praise God. Now you're in trouble with me. Don't ask Brother Chris, all right. I didn't say anything about Dodge. Anyway, okay, we're off subject. So, Jesus drove a Chevy, so he's having to walk, and, and he's tired. You get my point, right? He is weary, and his disciples can tell it. And uh, they said, listen, Master, you sit here a while. You rest, and we're going to go over and get you something to eat, right? And that's a nice thing to do. And so he's finally going to take a minute for himself you know, just a minute. And I mean, I'm sure he wasn't got that sat down very long. And here comes this woman. And the Holy Ghost quickens him. This is why you're here. I really, I don't, I got a crusade coming up. I've walked all this way. I'm tired. I've been up all night. They're just pulling it out of me. And here comes this woman. And, you know, he could have been, but he wasn't. Prejudiced like everybody else. And so he strikes up a conversation with her. And in the midst of this interaction with her, the gifts of the Spirit kick in. And he begins to read her mail about how many husbands she had and how she was cohabitating. And he wasn't mad about it, but he's trying to help her. If you're going to get what I have for you, you're going to have to be real with me. You're a sinner here. And in the end of this interaction, see, he's, he's being led by the Spirit. He, he's being used in the gifts of the Spirit. 
And he is able to reveal himself to her as the Messiah. And she receives him as the Messiah. You know what that means for her? That means she's not going to die and go to hell. And she goes home and tells all her friends. And the whole city of Samaria comes to Jesus. Now he's even more wore out after that. Comes to Jesus and a revival breaks out. And Samaria is one to the Lord. Now what I want you to see in this moment is even in his weariness, he did not think of himself and what would have been best for him, but he was willing even to be inconvenienced, to be tired, to step over and to be used of the Spirit to reach a lady who needed to be reached, which led to global, you know, not global, but I mean a massive citywide revival and evangelism. But see, he entered that moment. He knew my whole life is a gift. My whole life is a gift. And again, going back to husbands, Paul is saying, husbands, love your wives. How? The way Christ loved the church who, you know, sacrificed himself and laid his life down for her. Yeah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I wanted to close over here in uh, John chapter 12. Y'all getting anything out of this? Praise God. I hope so. Now again, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I try to, I can sense myself when I get spiritually depleted, when I'm tired. And it's, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take time aside. He told the disciples, come aside and rest a while. And I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. Mamas, you need to take care of We need you. So you mamas, you need to take care of yourself. You need to go get yourself a massage. Go get yourself a spa. If you don't want to get your hair fixed, go get your hair. And your husband will pay for it. And I'll pray that he'll have the money to pay for it, right? Amen. And you take care of yourself. And you need to eat right. And you need to rest. And you need to get some sleep, you know. All, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about the general flow of my life, of your life, ought to be who can I help, who can I bless, who can I serve. And that, uh, man, I'm not near perfect, but this is, this is kind of defined, you know, I ought to just get out, and every minister ought to just get out of the ministry if they get tired of that. I'm not here in this city for me. I'm here in this city for you. Praise the Lord. You misunderstood and talked about and all kinds of things sometimes. But you just keep doing what you do. Because I'm not doing what I do for you. I'm doing what I'm doing for you, but I'm doing it to please Him. <laughs> so in uh, John chapter 12, verse 24 through 26. Let's read verse 23 as well. How about that? It says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Who's he talking about? Talking about himself being that seed. Right? If I don't let myself fall in the ground and die, that seed abides alone. Again, you want to know how to be miserable and alone? Be selfish. 
You know, I have some people come every now and then, I'll get this person and I don't have any friends. And I don't have any friends. Well, God talks about that whole mess. He says, to him who would have friends, let him show himself friendly. Amen? And I don't enjoy fellowship where one person dominates the conversation. It's all about them. They're never interested in anybody else. They won't shut up for half a second to hear or be excited about what somebody else is going through. It's got to be them and they got to talk, and me, and I just can't tolerate that very long. And people don't. And you're going to find yourself by yourself. Selfish, self-centered people. You better like yourself a lot because you're going to spend a lot of time with yourself and by yourself. <laughs> and that's what he's saying here. Listen, he says, unless, right, if I don't let myself die, right? If I don't plant that seed, it's going to abide by itself. But if I'll give the seed away, if I'll put the seed in the ground, if I'll die to myself and do what's necessary to help others, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be fruit, right? Amen. And so uh, he says it'll abide alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life will lose it. And he that hates his life in this world will keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If anyone serve me, him will my father honor. Whoa, so we're going to close with this. Last week, if you were here, we talked about leaving a legacy. The importance of leaving a legacy. And what kind of legacy are we leaving? Here, Jesus is again giving people a recipe. How many of you, you want your life to mean something? I want my life to mean something. Somebody in the future walk by some old, you know, weathered uh, gravestone, and not that life there not have meant anything to the planet. Amen. I want my life to mean something. I want my life to 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 mark this world for good in some way. Hallelujah. I want more importantly, even I want to take fruit with me to heaven, the fruit of my life. Well. The only way I can do that is to die to my selfish tendencies. Because if all of I do is go out there Friday through Saturday and try to get me and mine and my house and my boat and my car and my clothes and my kids and my vacation home and live for a few days off and just me and mine, your life not going to matter. Nothing to nobody. But if you will give your life away. And I'm not talking about your Christmas week. I'm talking about your whole life. Let your whole earth life be defined. This way you think about my life is to be given away in the service of other people. And you're going to trust that the things I need and the things I want, God, my father, God. And this this is the key to it. If you'll get your little mind off your little problems. And start asking God how you can help other people solve their problems. You're going to find your problems getting fixed. It's one of the best ways to get healed. Is get off, get your eyes off your symptoms, off what you're going through, off all that. And start praying for somebody else's healing. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> so the way to fruitfulness is to die to yourself. And to just plant your earthly life as a seed for your family. You know, in your calling to the local church. Whatever impact God wants your life to have. Amen. You're just going to give it away. But that's, that's, the, that's the door through which your, your life's going to be really fruitful. Is by giving it away. And trusting God to take care of you. Now, do you have the capacity to do that? Come on, anybody in here interested in it, you know, maybe stepping this up and being a little less selfish? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I hope so. Praise God. You know, don't get sucked into the world's Christmas flow out there. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Christmas time and celebrate Jesus. Celebrate the people that, you're, that you still have with you in your life. Amen. You know, that example, that 27, he's just 27 years old. He's not here anymore. You know how quickly things can change. Amen. But don't forget that God has not forgotten about you and what you dream about, what you need, what you want. If you were to finish Philippians chapter 2, you would find that because Jesus humbled Himself even to the death on the cross. Remember what it says after that? God has highly exalted Him. That means God highly promoted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name and restored Him to His place of, of glory and majesty and might and privilege as deity at the right hand of God. Yes. And He's our example. Yes. If you will give your life away, get your eyes off people, God will bless and promote your life. He will highly exalt you. And He will honor you. And He will fund you. And He will bless you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Father, we bow our heads to You today. God, we...